really like this theme song. I just want y'all to know that. I should have used this for my album, but that's okay. Alright everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of the podcast. So childhoods. You know, everybody has these moments from their childhood where they look back and they just have to ask themselves, what the heck was I thinking? Exactly, like, what was it that I was aiming for? Exactly what direction was I trying to go in? You know, I, I don't know how I thought I could put these pieces together to make this puzzle when in reality the pieces, they, they, they weren't even supposed to be put together. What, what were you thinking? One of those moments for me was the time I tried to run away. Yes, you know, every child has that moment where they're like, I'm over this, I'm out. Usually it's when they're teenagers. I did it when I was 9 or 10. And so we're going to go and take a backtrack into the story. But first, let me set the scene. So around this time, I want to say I was about 8 or 9 years old. I think I was in 3rd grade. And we were still living in Vicenza, Italy at this time. Actually, we had just moved there a few months earlier. And me and the family, we're at the dinner table. It's a random weekday evening. I want to say sometime between 5 and 8 p.m. And we're eating dinner. You know, me, my mother, my dad, my brother. Eating dinner, chilling. Cool, right? The phone rings. So the phone rings, my dad gets up to answer it. Now me, I'm not sure if I should be nervous yet. You know, I'm like, okay, well, whatever happened earlier, I don't think it's that big of a deal, so I don't think it's worth a phone call. Hopefully it's not. So my dad, you know, he answers the phone. I try to eat and play real calm and just play it normal like nothing is going on. My dad, huh? Yep, this is him. Uh Uh-huh. He did what? What? Now, now mind you, I'm sitting here. My eyes are bulging out of my face. I'm I'm just trying to chew, and I'm looking down. And I couldn't even get out of this one because normally... Back in the day, whenever my parents got a phone call about something I did, and I could hear the conversation, and I knew that that call was about me, I used to try to do things to distract and take away from the big blow that was coming. I would start vacuuming or try to clean up or act like I had just been doing something so productive. One time, I think I pulled out a Bible, start acting like I had been reading the Bible, and while my um, mom was in like the middle of a call, I came down and, hey, mom, so when Moses can't, you know, anything to try to lessen the blow of what was to come, just make it seem like I was just an angel. So my dad is on the phone, and out of nowhere, I just hear, what? He did what? And, I, and I'm just over here chewing, and, and I'm talking to God like, please, don't let it be what I think it is. He, what? Oh, oh, oh really? Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, thank you for telling me. All right, yeah. Yes, you have a great night. Thank you for calling. Have a great evening. At this moment, I knew it was about to go down and that I had effed up. Seriously, because of two reasons. One, my father started laughing during the conversation. And two, my father ended the conversation in a calm and collected manner. Now, here was at least one experience for me growing up. I would rather my parents just initially start yelling and and fussing because I knew eventually whatever happened wasn't that big of a deal. It would blow over in like 10 minutes. But when it was those offenses where they were laughing or they were calm and collected, it was like, oh, you knew you effed up. Like, it was like there was a level to how you had to monitor how your parents reacted. If they initially just started fussing right off the bat, cool. You're in trouble 10 minutes later. Who cares? You know, maybe you're just not going outside the rest of the day. If it was something a little bit more elevated, like, I don't know, maybe you broke something. You know, just make sure you're not in striking distance. Make sure you're out of the way of arm's reach, <laughs> okay? But if they got to laughing, that's how you knew you really messed up because at this point, they themselves have to laugh at at just the reality of what they're witnessing because at this point they recognize that their own child doesn't know exactly what they're capable of doing and so they just start laughing all right this is like one thing i did really stupid one time as a child 
at our school, they didn't collect lunch money. Your parents would pay for this book of lunch tickets. So you'd pay like 20 or 50 bucks to the school district. They give you this booklet and then you would give the ticket to the cafeteria people. And that's how you would get your lunch because they didn't like the kids walking around with cash in their hands. And so I was going through this phase where I really like to play with fire for some reason. And so I burned up my whole little <laughs> lunch coupon book. So I didn't eat for like two weeks of school. And the school called home because they noticed that Michael, you know, he wasn't eating ever. And he wasn't bringing anything home uh, or bringing anything from home. And so, you know, when they checked my backpack and they saw the charred remains and, and the soot from <laughs> the tickets, they just laughed. The two of them laughed for a good 10 minutes. And I'm just standing there looking at both of them because I was waiting to get knocked upside the head or something. And it, they were just laughing. I was like, oh, I really messed up. But anyway, so that's that level. But then the worst one, when you know that you have committed the ultimate offense, like you've stolen your parents' car and wrecked it, is when they don't even yell. They don't even laugh. They're just calm and collected. Just, just like this time I was a teenager. My friend Antoine knew that my mom had a strict curfew for me when I was in high school. And Antoine one time was like, F this. I already told you before we left that I wasn't planning to come back till this time. We coming back when I'm ready to come back. And so... We were, I don't even remember where we were at, but man, I was, I was shook the whole time because my mom started blowing up my cell phone, blowing my phone up every 20 minutes because at this point, it's 1, 2 in the morning. And so at first, it was, where are you at? I'm like, mom, we on the way, we on the way. 30 minutes later, you really tried it, Michael. Where are you at? We're on the way, mom. We get in the car right now. Another 30 minutes. Boy, you, listen. And then eventually, she just stopped calling. And so like a whole hour had passed. It's like 2 in the morning. And Antoine's finally getting me to the driveway. I, I've just given up on life. I know that, you know, I'm in my head, I'm planning my funeral. I'm thinking about who's going to be singing what, you know, what the choir's going to sing, what, what color my casket's going to be. And so my mom calls that last time. And I was just like, Mom, I'm around a click. I was like, oh, Lord. And so when I got in the house, my mom was just sitting on the stairs waiting for me, just looking at me. So you just, just going to do what you want, huh? Just come in when you feel like it. Just... You know, ignore everything that I said. I told you to have you behind in the house at what time? And it's it's 2 in the morning. You're acting like some of us don't work. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to go to bed. And I'll see you in the morning. Like, yo, I went to bed shook. I ain't going to sleep at all. I was wide awake just thinking of all the things that were going to happen to me that day. But anyway, back to the story. So, my father gets off the phone. And all he does is look at me. And I, I, I stopped chewing. And now we're just both staring at each other. Just looking. Not sure exactly what to say or what to do. And my dad's like, eat your dinner. (laughs) We'll talk. What happened was this. My host nation teacher called the house. Host nation was a class that we had to take in Italy where pretty much because Italy was the host nation to your military base, you had to learn Italian. And so in this class, I got in trouble with Signora Salvialti. That was the name of the teacher. I got in trouble with Signora Salvialti because I said the word frickin' or freaking. One of the two. I don't remember which one it was. But to her, she thought that was the F word. And so she sent me out in the hall. And from that moment on, it was like World War III. There was one main rule I was never supposed to break growing up. And that was that the school was never supposed to call home for any kind of nonsense because that was the ultimate offense to my parents. That meant that you did not respect the rules that they set forth for you in the house and you did not respect your family. So you're going to go out in public and act a fool and now we got to look bad? Oh, you got another thing coming. And on top of that, they also didn't really come to the school for a whole lot. You know, if I had a show or something at the school in the evening, they would go. But they did not believe in coming to pick you up from school because you were sick. 
They would always be like, how are you sick? You weren't sick when you left this morning. Clearly, you done did something. And then somehow it would be my fault. Because you outside at recess with no coat on. Now I got to take off work, come all the way up to the school to come get you. Like, it, it was always a problem. So they didn't come to school too often. I remember one time I was in eighth grade, I think. I think I ate something at the school that just messed my whole stomach up. I was sick like a dog. We called my mother to come pick me up at 11, 45, 12 o'clock. My mom didn't show up to the school till 3.15. After school had got out, the nurse had already went home. They sent me to the lobby in the school just to lay on the couch. And then my mom came to pick me up, and she was annoyed because I lived literally probably 10 minutes away from the school walking, and she was mad because the school wouldn't just release me and let me walk home. And at that point, because they had already called for her to come pick me up, they couldn't release me, so she was annoyed that day. I remember I was throwing all up in the parking lot. She was so pissed off that day. I'm just like, dang. And so, yeah, and to make it worse... When I was in 8th grade, we had an earthquake. It was like a 6.8 on the Richter scale. The the good thing was that the earthquake was 40 miles below ground, so it it didn't do a lot of surface damage. But anyway, there weren't that many earthquakes in our area. We have them, but not a lot of big ones. and, And that one was a big one. So everybody and their mom got picked up from school that day. Everybody. Except for me. It was like me and 10 kids left in the school. And it was weird because the lights in the school were all dim from all the shaking and everything. My parents didn't even come and get me. They're like, we're fine. If, if, if there was something to worry about, we would have saw it on the news. So, yeah, they did not believe in coming to get me from school. All right, bringing it back full circle. There was this girl in the class named Sarah. Now, I'm not going to say her last name because I don't have time for her to be trying to sue her some nonsense if she hears this. Plus, I'm not rich. But Sarah had to be one of the most irritating-ass kids in the whole school. Irritating. And she was in all my classes. Like, she was in my third grade class, fourth grade class, fifth grade class. I, I was glad I moved back to the United States by sixth grade because I know she would have met me in middle school. Like, Sarah was irritating. And, and Sarah walked around conceited. And she would just talk so much trash. And the main reason why was because she was half Italian. Her dad was in the U.S. military. He moved to Italy, met this nice lady. They got married, lived happily ever after. And then Sarah showed up. So Sarah already thought that she was hot stuff because she was half Italian and we were in her country. So she'd always be talking trash like, oh, you know, you guys, you don't know everything that I know. You know, I can speak a little bit of Italian. And, you know, my grandmother on the Italian side, my grandmother was raised in a castle. And And you guys, I used to be like, man, shut up. And then she'd get to talk about how American pizza was nasty. And listen, at the time, I thought Italian pizza was trash. I was like, this is some bullshit. What is this crap? That first time I had Italian pizza, I was ready to fight because it did not taste like Pizza Hut and Domino's none of the good stuff that I grew up on now about a year later I totally changed my mind I was addicted to it but at the time I still had my American taste buds so Sarah got on my nerves she walked around like she was hot stuff and really she was nothing of the sort and me and Sarah used to stay going at it all the time. I mean, we would argue about any and everything. And mainly it was because she would stay running her mouth about how much better she was than all of us. And me, here's the thing, you know, I, I, back then I, I would never run from a good argument. Because one, I could talk fast and I was quick on my feet. I always had rounds ready for Sarah. I'd be on a school bus just thinking about what I was going to say to her in class. And so Sarah would get to saying all that stuff. I'm like, Sarah, just, just be quiet. Y'all don't even have Nickelodeon in this little country, okay? And by the way, the water in Venice freaking stinks. So humble down. Like, me and Sarah used to go at it. And so, we got in this argument about Christmas one time. Because Italians do Christmas differently. And so, she did this whole thing about how Italian Christmas was better than American Christmas. And blah, 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 blah. And who? Well, it's stupid to go and cut a tree down and put it in your house. And some other nonsense. What they do in Italy is, they have this witch named Bufana who goes and she passes out candy to all the kids. You know, that's, that's Italian Christmas. Now... There were Italian families that would do the Bufana thing and Santa together. But for me, I thought Bufana sounded stupid, mainly because it sounded like Halloween. And me growing up, I was not allowed to celebrate Halloween. As a matter of fact, I didn't go trick-or-treating until I was 14. 
I wasn't allowed to celebrate it because of my mother and father's religious beliefs. So, you know, when the classroom would have a costume parade or something, I'd have to go to a buddy room and and color a picture and do a crossword puzzle or something. You know, if it was trick-or-treating outside, it was just annoying because, you know, you'd just be looking out the window. All the kids got on the cool little costumes getting candy. You know, my mom would make me go to church and we would have um, Harvest Night or Harvest Festive Church and you'd get some candy, but it wasn't the same. But anyway, so... Me and Sarah, we're cussing each other out. I done told her how her birthday party sucked and it was stupid because she talked all that trash about how Italian ice cream was better than our ice cream. But she showed up with briars to the classroom. I was like, what happened to the Italian gelato? Huh? That looks like it came from the commissary. Just, <laughs> we just, just go at it. So I just kept going. I was like, you know, Sarah, you got my freaking nerves. Blah, 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 blah. And before I get, get the rest of my sentence out, Senora Salviati, <gasps> Miguel, Miguel. Go outside Because she was Italian too She sent me straight outside in the hallway And so When she was talking on the phone with my dad She decided to not only just talk about the cussing But she told him about all these other things That I had did through the course of the year So I mean she just let it all out And then she also told him that she had sent me home With a referral form that he was going to need to sign The problem was I had already forged the signature And so My dad's like oh and go bring me that, that letter She left you I'm like oh dang So now I gotta come downstairs I'm trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to explain that there's somebody else who didn't sign his name. And it, it was a lot, man. It was a lot. Just just know it didn't go too well for me. So rather than becoming acquainted with the belt, my father decided to do something 10 times worse in my eyes. Make me write a paper. That had to be the worst torture because I absolutely hated writing. I had terrible handwriting. I was left-handed. Everything would be smeared. My teachers used to always leave notes on my work about illegible, can't read. And so writing was the ultimate punishment. So my dad was like, you know what? I'm not even going to whoop your butt today because you know what? I'm trying to whoop you because you're not learning. So you know what? You're going to write a composition. That was his line. If you, if I, The word composition is probably my least favorite word ever. Composition. I was like, damn. And so he had a rule with these little compositions. He would give you your task. And usually you had to write two or three pages about whatever it is you did and why you shouldn't do it. And then his rule was, if you didn't meet his deadline, he would add two more pages. And he'd keep adding two more pages. And once he got to about 10 or 11 pages and it was evident that you were not going to get it finished, okay, then it's time to handle things another way. So compositions were torture. They were like just straight tortured. Hated it. And so... And then he had a billion different rules for the paper. Listen, this is how I ended up being a good writer in college because I did so many compositions growing up because it was like, okay, you were not allowed to skip lines. You were not allowed to try to write super big or he'd make you start over. It had to be neat because another thing is with my handwriting, people who have horrible handwriting can actually write decently, but we just get lazy because our mind is rushing too fast. And so, you know, most of the time, my first six or seven lines would be all super nice and neat. And by the time I got to that eighth line, it was just scribble scrabble. Like, what is this? So he had all kind of rules like you and, and there was no typing either you weren't going to go on a computer and type and print nothing plus you know at this time you couldn't type fast because you're in like third grade you probably could type 10 words a minute so it was all writing those compositions were tortured so at this point you know i'm writing the composition and i'm supposed to be writing about why i'm not supposed to use cuss words in class and why i shouldn't be cussing in the first place and mind you i'm annoyed because i didn't cuss i didn't really say the f word i said freaking a freaking it's not my fault senor salviati didn't understand my dialect what the heck you gonna try to teach me a language you don't understand my like that's how i felt at the time so i was irritated and so i'm struggling to write this paper i'm only about a page in and it's supposed to be two or three pages so i missed the first deadline now it's four pages i miss i missed the next deadline now it's like six pages i missed the deadline again it's eight pages i didn't miss the deadline it we're up to 10 pages 10 or 11 pages and i and i'm stressing out because i'm like dang uh, 
and it doesn't help that my mom is egging the thing on because my dad is you still ain't finished that thing because at this point by the time it got to like the 10 pages i had only got two pages done like i really had nothing left to say you know when you're in third grade there's only so much you can write hell even in college i know people that struggle to get 10 pages out so i had nothing left to say and my dad was like, you know, this don't make no kind of sense. I, it's been five days. Blah, 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 blah. And my mom, uh-huh. He, and he wasn't even working on it when he came home from school today. He decided he was going to go do his Legos. I'm like, dang, mom, okay. Mom used to always egg on some stuff. Like, sometimes she would be the reason I got more in trouble. Sometimes I, all I had was, like, one offense left before all hell was about to break loose. And my dad would be fussing about something. And then she would rile him up. And now I'm like, dang, mom, you done made it ten times worse. She used to do that all the time and so at this point my dad's like listen when you get home from school today that paper better be done because when I get back from work it's going down if it's not finished so you know now I'm in class I'm at school I'm stressed out I'm side-eyeing the fuck out of Sarah like looking at her like ooh you ooh anyway I'm sitting next to this little white kid named James now James was my homie James was an interesting character because James was bad as hell (laughs) he was so bad and disrespectful to his parents I had never witnessed some of this in my life. As a matter of fact, I never heard the word cunt until I watched James say that crap to his mom to her face. That I, I was shook. First of all, I didn't even know what it meant, but I knew it wasn't something nice because he said it with so much conviction and the look that she gave him. Now, now James was interesting because his mother was from the UK, so she was British. She had a nice little British accent and everything, and then her, his dad was in the U.S. military. There were a lot of kids who, you know, one parent would be from whatever nation we were living in, and then the other parent would be from the U.S. military. There was a bunch of families like that. So James was, he was on some other stuff. James did not give two Fs about anything, anybody. He did what he wanted. And it would be so funny anytime I would go to his house and watch him and his mother interact because I was just like, this would never happen in my house. And mind you, the mom used to try to throw down, she, do you want me to get the wooden spoon, James? You want me to get the wooden spoon, huh? And so one time, she got the wooden spoon, and I'm trying to figure out what happens now. She got the wooden spoon and popped him in the hand. He hit her back. I was like, yo, this this kid has a death wish. Because j- just the thought of me ever swinging anything in the direction of my parents. <laughs> Listen, I couldn't even suck my teeth. I couldn't even go, that would be the end of the world. That alone would lose about three teeth, okay? That alone was grounded for two months. That alone was Christmas is canceled. So, um... <laughs> Swinging? <laughs> Absolutely not. And so I'm in class and I'm like, James, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Man, like, I'm supposed to write this paper, this stupid composition, and my dad said it has to be done by the time he gets home today. And James is like, oh, all you need to do is tell me you're going to call 911, you know, or tell me you're going to call the people that have to come pick him up and take him to jail. And I'm like, uh, that's not going to work. My mom and dad already gave me that speech. They told me if I ever call 911, all that's going to do is I'm going to have to go stay in an orphanage and share a room with like 50 other kids, and I have to share a bed with 30 kids. I'm only going to eat oatmeal and grits all day and i'm not gonna have any toys i'm never gonna be able to see the rest of the family again i'm not gonna have no fun everything that i've ever wanted will be canceled so that's not gonna work what else can we do because i think i'm better off at the house with them because one time i told my mom i was gonna call them and she went and got the phone and said go ahead and dial the number and i didn't know what to do because i didn't have the number (laughs) and and that's only because in italy they didn't have 911 you dialed a different number and so i didn't remember the number and it wasn't like i was in danger or anything it was just I don't even remember how we got into it. She was fussing about something. I was like, I'm going to call the people, and they're going to come take you. Okay, here. Come down the number. You want to go so bad, go. <laughs> and so, those are, the, those are the kind of parents I grew up with. I love them to death. It's so funny looking back. So, I was like, uh, yeah, James, we're, we're going to have to do a different plan or a plan B because uh, that's not going to work. Like, my parents are real different from yours. Plus, I like my house, and I like my room, and I like my stuff. And I like my family. Like, I, I don't want to be gone for too long. Plus, you know, I just want them to get off my back, Okay. 
Kind of like Shanae on Martin. J- Jada, Jada, get off of my back. Get off of my back. Like, that's what I felt like. Get off my back, damn. And so he was like, oh, well, run away. I was like, run away? He was like, yeah, you can just run away because if you're going long enough, you know, they'll be really, really sad and they'll start crying and stuff and they'll miss you. And then when they, you get back, they'll give you the world because they don't want you to run away again. And I was like, oh, that don't sound like a bad idea. Yeah, you know, I can, I can pack my stuff. I can tip out, you know, go away for a few weeks and all will be well. They'll, I'll, I'll show them. Man, I got on that school bus so cocky. Like, I was so hyped to get home because I knew I was about to show them. Just picture, like, if this was a movie. Just picture me on a school bus. And you remember that song that Chumba Wubba, was it Chumba Wubba? Whatever. That I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never gonna keep me down. Like, in my head, just picture if that was a movie. That's me on the bus. That's the music playing in the background. That's how I felt at the moment. Like, I was gonna show them. And so, you know, I get home. Mom was on the couch watching the stories. You know, that's code for soap operas. Every black mom, auntie, and grandma, they used to call the soap operas the stories. So I knew if Young and the Restless was on or Bold and the Beautiful or Guiding Light, do not interrupt the story. So my mom was off watching the stories. I come in the house. I'm cocky. I'm stumping all up the stairs. My mom, I don't know what you're stumping for. You need to be stumping to finish that paper. I tell you that because when your daddy get home, it's going to be another kind of stumping going on up in here. You might want to finish that paper. And so, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking trash too. And she, what? And I, I, I shut up quickly because I didn't want to do too much, you know, element of surprise. You don't want to reveal too much. So I get upstairs. I start packing. And then I start thinking, like, no, I don't need to pack anything because, you know, I don't plan on being gone too long. They'll miss me. Plus, I think I need to be a little bit more strategic. So the only thing I take is my coat and my Bible. And so I took the Bible because I was like, listen, if I get caught and they see me with the Bible, they'll be like, oh, he loves the Lord. He took the word of God with him. I'm so proud that he still walked in his Christian faith as he was committing all these ultimate sins. Oh, let's bring him home. Let's let's go get him some Legos. So proud of him. Like, I just knew that if I got caught with the Bible, that was going to be my insurance. So I'd be good. So I wouldn't get a whipping or nothing else like that. And so I go back downstairs. I'm like, you know what, Mom? I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm just done. You know, like... Y'all aren't giving me the freedom I want. You're trying to make me write this paper that it doesn't even make any sense. I told you I didn't say the F word. Y'all don't believe me. So I'm running away. My mom was like, oh, okay. You better be back before dinner. I know that. And so I'm like, no, mom. I'm gone forever. I'm out. And so I go. And then I was just like little kids off the sitcom. I try to slam the door. (laughs) And so I slam the door. Walk outside. It is cold as hell outside. All right. Mind you, it is. I want to say it's. February, maybe March, it's cold, it's wet, it's raining, it's drizzling, just uncomfortable. So, you know, I'm walking around miserable with my little Bible, and I'm not about to read it. It's just under my pocket. I don't even know what I brought it for. I'm walking around cold, wet, and so I'm outside for, I don't know, I I went to the park. There's a couple parks in the neighborhood, too. Like every, like the neighborhood Villaggio that we lived in was like this military housing area that was gated in, and so you, it was like armed guards and stuff in order to get back in and out so I couldn't leave the base because I knew if I left the the housing area I wouldn't be able to get back in because I didn't have my military ID with me it was upstairs in my room not thinking but I got the bible though and so you know I had to stay in the neighborhood so there was a bunch of different parks so I went around to the different parks one of the parks I went I sat in a tube slide for I thought I was in it for like eight hours really it was probably like 20 minutes because you know 20 minutes to to an eight or nine year old feels like two hours when you're not doing anything so you know I, I sat in the slide then I got bored then I went to the shopette. It was like this little neighborhood store in the neighborhood, and I saw a few friends, so I'm in there cocky. Yo, what up, guys? What's up? What's, what's good? I probably wasn't saying what's good. That wasn't the lingo at the time, but whatever the lingo for what's good would have been in 97, 98. And I see my friend Ricky, who I also did a talent show with back in elementary, which would be another podcast. Um, 
I see Ricky and I'm like, yo man, I gotta be up front. I might need a place to stay for a few days. My parents are tripping. And Ricky was like, nah man, you ain't staying in my house because you know, if you stay at my house, my mama's gonna call your mom. You're not coming to my house, you're on your own. And so, you know, I was like, well dang, what am I supposed to do? Because I was hungry too. Like, I, at this point, it's probably been a good hour since I left. I'm hungry, stomach growling. I didn't have any money to buy anything at the shop yet, and Mrs. Kakulas wouldn't buy me anything. She was this really, really nice um, Italian lady that ran a little shop at on the corner down the street from the house. And so, I'm in there hungry. So, I finally leave the store. I just roam the neighborhood for, like, another hour. I go to see which friends can come outside and play. You know, we outside playing, having a good time. Folks riding bikes, and, you know, we're playing manhunt and everything like that. I done went inside. I think it was this kid, Keith. No, actually, I didn't meet my friend Keith till like, fifth grade. I think it was Marcus. Marcus, the same guy I told you guys about in the other podcast when I went to that camp in Germany. Not my brother Marcus, but my friend Marcus. And so, you know, me and Marcus are roaming around the neighborhood and just, just hanging out, having a good time. And then I see my dad's Jeep. Now, listen. I don't know what time it is. I don't know how long I've been outside. I don't know if my dad even knows that I've run away. He could just be coming home from work or he's looking for me. But either way, I don't need to be spotted outside because one, that paper's not finished and I'm outside and it's not normally a time that I would be outside. I should go hide. You know, so I duck down and I'm telling Marcus to get down too because I don't want my father to recognize Marcus because he might be like, hey, you seen my son, Michael? You know, I didn't want to make any kind of opportunity for there to be a capture. And so I'm shook. And my father, I mean, he's just roaming around real slow, driving a lot slower than usual. So I was under the impression that, yeah, I think he's looking for me. And so we just stay low. I watched the, the He had a Jeep Grand Cherokee. It was like a 95, a gold one. And so, you know, I watched the Jeep turn around that corner and drive on off. And it comes around two or three more times. And so eventually the Jeep goes away. I'm like, okay, cool. So I go back out to... Wherever I'm at, I'm like, man, this is this is getting kind of crazy, man. I gotta, I gotta hide in a better space or something, man. And Marcus was like, well, you can't come to my house because my mom knows your mom. Like it was crazy. My mom knew all of my friends' parents, every last one. I couldn't go to somebody's house unless she had met their parents. So there was nowhere to go. And again, like I told you, the housing area that we were in was gated and, and surrounded by armed guards. So literally, the only places you could go in the neighborhood were the multiple different parks and the playgrounds. There was a community center. There was the shop at, and then there were two pools, like public pools, but the pools were closed because it wasn't the summer. And so that was pretty much it, unless you found some bushes to hide in. Oh, and then there was like this self-help mini kind of Home Depot supply store, but it was really, really small. It was like a, the size of a 7-Eleven, but if you had like household items that needed to be fixed, but you didn't feel like driving all the way to the military base to get like a light bulb, they had that store. I forgot what it was called. I think it was called the self-help center. Those are the only places you could go. And so... I was running out of places to hide. It's kind of funny. I don't know how you can run away in the neighborhood, but somehow I thought I was doing something. Like, I just knew I was showing them because in the back of my mind, I just envisioned my mother in the house crying and bawling like, oh, I don't know where he's at. I just want him to come home. You know, just like the nice little people that would be on the TV when their teenage daughters or their teenage sons would run away. And it's, just come home, John. We forgive you. It's okay. You know, I, I wanted that so bad. I just knew that's what my mom was doing. I just knew that they had called the, the news and everybody was looking for me. I just knew that this was the, the biggest event to happen on the military base. I was that cocky. Just I was just that important in my head. At this point, time has passed by. You know, Marcus had to go home. And, you know, I'm telling him, make sure if your mom asks, you, you haven't seen me. Don't say nothing, okay? Don't say nothing. This is serious. This is a big deal. You know, so... I'm roaming the neighborhood some more. I'm bored to death. It's cold. It's wet. I, I low-key want to go home. I'm hungry. 
But I'm not gonna go home because I gotta show my parents. I gotta teach them a lesson. They gonna they gonna respect me because I ain't no punk. So, <laughs> so I end up seeing this other kid. I can't remember the kid's name because really, honestly, this is like 20 years ago. I can't remember all the names now. And so me and that kid start hanging out and walking around, doing literally nothing, just bored, trying to find something to do, seeing who's outside. You remember? Remember back in the day where you used to go and you get one friend and then you go to all these different people's houses and see who could come outside. We were trying to do that, but I was trying to go to the friends' homes that you know didn't know my parents. But anyway, we're walking, and then out of nowhere, I hear this voice. And it sounds familiar. I know it's not my father. So it can only be one other person. And I hear it again. Michael! And so I turn around, and I do like a quick light glance. I didn't want to make it too obvious that I was looking back. So I look behind me, and I want to say it's my mother. She's standing a good 10, 12 feet behind me. So she probably had been following me for at least a good five minutes or a few minutes because she wasn't in the car. She had walked from the house to wherever I was at. My dad must have gave up on looking for me because he wasn't with her. And so she's standing there. She has on this red windbreaker outfit. You remember the windbreaker suits? You know, when you would walk in and make the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh sound anytime you did any sudden movement. So she had that on. And this is back when the Jerry Curl was still in for women. Jerry Curl died for men in the 80s, but for women, especially a lot of black women in the mid-90s, late 90s, some of them were still doing the Jerry Curl. So she had that on, she had a windbreaker suit, and this big old giant umbrella. And so I look, and my friend's like, oh, dude, you better run. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so I get ready. I do that prep to get that first step, and my mom's like, you better, you better not. And I, psh, F that, I still try to run. So I get that first two steps, and I don't know how she did this. I swear... The people who wrote the movie Space Jam must have saw her do this first because it's like she just reached. And you remember in Space Jam at the very end of the movie where Michael Jordan is going to make that dunk. He can't reach the hoop and somehow his arm just stretches like and and slam dunks into the hoop. Like his arm just extended and stretched like an extra 10 feet. I swear my mom's arm did this. Like I ran. I got a good two steps into my run. You know, I didn't even get warmed up enough to really sprint yet. You know, it takes a good 10, 11 steps before you just get into full beast mode. And so I'm still powering up. And out of nowhere, I just feel a force just grab the back of my jacket. And I just go backwards. Like it was like I just got snatched back. And so my friend just keeps running. And I and like out of nowhere... I, I don't know what happened. I feel like I blacked out because I knew I was on the floor. And I op- opened my eyes. And really, I wasn't on the floor. I was still standing up. I just thought I was on the floor. I opened my eyes. My mom has, like, this grip on the back of my shirt. And she's pulling me. And I know you ain't got me out here in this rain looking for your crazy behind. And I mean, you just don't be thinking about what's going on with you. Boy, you could have got kidnapped. And what's up? Just, just popping and slapped me outside the head. Walk, you, you lost your mind. Your daddy out here coming home from work. He tied but you just get it. Get in the house, let's go. And so she's holding me by my little hoodie or my coat or whatever, drags me to that house. Boy, listen, I'm not even gonna speak about what happened afterwards, but the funny part is when I got in, I was like, Mom, but I, I tried to show her the Bible. She, what? But just get in the house. And so my Bible trick didn't work. It, it, it was crazy, but listen. Turned out I had been outside for about three and a half hours, which really wasn't even that long. But for me, I swore I had been out for like nine days, really like 12 hours. I knew it wasn't a couple days because the sun never set, but my mom was living. She was like, do you realize what could have happened to you? Do you know where you live? What were you going to do if somebody kidnapped you behind, huh? Where were you going to be? What if we had to go back to the United States? You don't got a passport because it's in the house with me. How are you going to get back? Nobody got time to be looking for you because you want to be crazy because you don't want to write no paper. And you're still going to write it when you get back. I don't know exactly what's wrong with you, but you better figure it out. Get in the house. Get upstairs. Man, I got cussed out so bad. It was crazy. And so I still had to do the paper. 
I was grounded for like nine years. Grounded, I was just grounded forever. That, that whole spring, I had to stay in the house. And that was the worst. Because, you know, you'd be looking out the window. Everybody and their mom is always outside when you're in trouble. Outside was lit every day. I mean, and that's when we used to play tetherball. Tetherball was like, tetherball would end friendships back in the day. And so you'd be looking out the window, everybody playing tetherball. People, the, the ice cream truck. It, it just, life was good. But I'm in the house looking. I could do nothing but play with Legos. And, man, oh, the memories. So... It was crazy. My dad came in my room after all of the other things that took place. I mean, he boxed up everything. Everything got boxed up. A TV. I didn't really play video games. Like, they bought me a a, a Sega, and I had a PlayStation before, and I had a Nintendo, but I didn't really play them that much. I wasn't really into video games, but he boxed them up, too. He boxed up the music. I couldn't listen to my little CDs and my cassettes. He boxed. Everything was boxed up. The only thing... You want to know what they left me in that room to, to, to entertain myself with? The Bible. That same Bible. I was like, you know what? <laughs> okay. Now, as for Sarah, I made sure to get her back because I was petty like that. Now, I was frustrated because, of course, my life was ruined. I wasn't allowed to go outside. I couldn't do nothing. All my stuff was boxed up. All I had was that Bible to entertain me with. And so I was like, yeah, you, I need you to feel my wrath because this is all your fault. Because had you not been talking that trash about American Christmas, I wouldn't be in trouble now. Somehow it was all her fault to me in my mind. It was all her fault. And so she was obsessed with the Spice Girls. Like at the time, Spice Girls were really, really huge. And all the girls in the school thought they were the coolest thing ever. So she had this little Spice Girl CD. I don't remember what it was called. But all I know is it ended up in my hand somehow. And we got to recess. Now, I made sure nobody was watching. I had that Spice Girl CD. The way I flung that thing like a Frisbee onto the roof of the school, like, whoosh, threw that thing. Man, that thing was on the roof. Nobody knew about it. Sarah cried all day at school because somebody stole her CD. She was just livid. I mean, face was red. Crying. You know, she got her head down in her desk with her arms folded. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there smiling, just tickled inside. And let me tell you how stupid this is. The teacher had all of us lined up one by one. And she's over here interviewing us, asking us about the CD. I'm like, well, I don't know what it is. I don't even know who the Spice Girls are. I don't want it. What you asking me for? Because, of course, me and, like, four other kids, our names were the first ones to pop up as people who possibly may have taken her CD. I'm like, I ain't taking what I wanted for. Plus, I didn't have a CD player at the time. I had a Walkman. I was still playing cassettes. So, it ain't me. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, revenge. So sweet. That was when I was petty. But anyway, that's my podcast. Catch me two Tuesdays from now for the next one.